I just realized during the prayer that uh, since our bulletin is printed on uh, Thursday, we uh, didn't, weren't able to update that Judah is home. Uh, so we praise God for that. Uh, he got home, uh, I believe, late Thursday evening, and uh, we're excited about that. Um, if you... Uh, uh, if kids are headed to Covenant Kids Worship, you may be dismissed. That's for uh, kids who are four years through second grade. As always, kids are welcome to stay with us as we come to God's Word here uh, in our sermon this morning. I also realized that I uh, didn't mention uh, the decorations hanging from the ceiling. Um, so I'll mention them now so that you're not still wondering throughout the whole service, what are those things? Um, our women's tea was yesterday, and uh, those were some of the decorations from the, from the women's tea, and uh, as is our tradition. Uh, we leave them up for a week or so to enjoy the, uh, um, the way that it changes the look and feel of our, of our uh, gathering space here as we worship together this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 33 through 49. Before we come to our text this morning, I was reading about a pastor who uh, planted a church in Greenwich Village, New York uh, City. I think I shared this story a long time ago, so most of you probably don't remember. Those of you do. Just pretend you didn't hear it before. Um, he, was, uh, he was preaching about the resurrection on Easter morning, as uh, we tend to do uh, on Easter. And after the service, he was shaking hands, and a man came up to him and said, so he rose from the dead, so blank and what? <laughs> uh, in Greenwich Village, you uh, just don't set up a church and kind of hang a sign out and get people lined up to attend uh, your, your church, you get a lot of skeptical people. And while we may not say it the same way with that same uh, lively language, um, I think he verbalized what a lot of people feel deep down but are afraid to say out loud. So what if the resurrection is true? Right? If Jesus rose from the dead, then the so what is that if he did rise from the dead, we are looking at the first day of a new creation, of the first days as since his resurrection of a renewed creation. We are looking at the first day of new hope. We are looking at the first day of something that brings new life to individuals, but also to all of creation. We have not yet seen or experienced this day in its fullness but the resurrection of Jesus is the down payment on that promise. And so we come to our text this morning and we begin to see the so what. The so what of the resurrection. What, is, what does it mean now that Jesus has risen from the dead? Let's read Luke 24, verses 33 through 49. And they rose that same hour, these are the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus that we encountered last week, and returned to, to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has indeed has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. 
But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? Anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word made flesh in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we, we come to your word today. I pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that we would not only be transformed by your word, but Lord, that we'd be conformed to it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we were in the previous section, Luke 24, 13 through 32, and the disciple, these two disciples were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus just kind of shows up. And in the text, we saw the disciples, while they didn't recognize Jesus in that moment as they were walking, they heard his teaching of the Old Testament scriptures, and they said that their hearts burned within them. Earlier in the encounter, as they were walking, before Jesus started to, uh, to preach this incredible sermon, as we talked about last week, he said that their hearts were slow, right? They, they were slow to believe. And so we asked the question last week, do we have slow hearts or burning hearts? And we saw that because Jesus died and rose again, gospel hope burns within us. We saw how the scriptures are fulfilled and how, how we see Jesus, how the gospel burns within us through the scriptures being fulfilled and in the breaking of bread. In our text today, the two disciples immediately, uh, it says the text, um, get up and they return to Jerusalem. They head back to Jerusalem. I would expect they ran back or at least ran as much as they could because they were so excited to tell what they had witnessed, what they had seen, what they had heard. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, the other, other disciples, before they could even tell them, said, hey, Jesus showed himself to Peter, to Simon. And so they had already begun to wonder and to realized that this, what they had heard from the women in the morning might actually be true. And they, those that came back, Cleopas and the other disciple, told them what they had 
seen and what they had heard and how they knew Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And I don't want to belabor the point from last week. But obviously Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants us to see and understand the importance of the Lord's Supper and how we see Jesus in the Supper. He mentions it twice in this text. The moment of recognition of Jesus leads to the faithful response by the Emmaus disciples. It was in the breaking of the bread that they saw Jesus and they are compelled from the burning, their burning hearts to go and to tell what they had seen and heard. And this physical means of grace, the supper, it, it compels us, but it also helps to ground our faith in the physical reality that a renewing of all things has begun. Right? Our faith isn't merely intellectual or emotional or spiritual. It reminds us that our faith, faith is physical, that Jesus physically rose from the dead, that he physically came to his disciples and he asked them to be his witnesses. From the, from the understanding that he is alive, the physical reality of that, and the breaking of bread and his showing his hands and his feet, this understand that this is a physical reality that he is asking them to be witnesses to. And so the question that comes from our text this morning is, are we witnesses? We see in our text that because the witness of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, we point to Jesus as his witnesses. Right? Jesus shows that the witness of the Old Testament points to him. And now as his disciples, we are to point to Jesus as his witnesses. And it's interesting that as he comes to them, after they have been talking about these things, he comes and appears to them and stands uh, in their midst. And obviously they're freaked out. Why wouldn't they be? Somebody just appears in their midst. But he says to them, see my hands and my feet that I myself, that is I myself, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he asks them for something to eat and he eats to prove to them that he is there in their midst. And what's interesting in, in, in verse 39 uh, one commentator points this out, which I think is, is interesting for us, not just interesting, but uh, helps us to unlock what is happening here in our text, is that uh, in the Greek, when, when, in, in, verse, uh, 30, um, in verse 39, when he, Jesus says, in, in our English version, it says, see my hands, my feet, that I myself, the ESV translates, I myself, in the Greek, it is actually, I am myself. It's, it's odd because it's awkward in English, right? It's an awkward way to express this, but it is likely a profound affirmation of Jesus. I am myself. Think about that. I am. In Scripture, Jesus is affirming himself as someone the disciples would have understood. I am of the Old Testament, right? When Moses encounters the burning bush in Exodus 3, 
Jesus, he asks God, who are you? And he, he responds, I am. Right? I am the one of the Old Testament, the one who Moses and the prophets and the Psalms all testify, Jesus says. This I am, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of Moses, stands before them in the flesh, in flesh and bones. He's claiming this title of God. He's claiming the title of I am before them. Jesus is confirming what he had already been teaching early in his ministry, that he is the one, that he is God in the flesh. That he described himself with these messianic titles, including I am in chapter 22, verse 70. And so Jesus is before them. He says, I am myself here. I am who became flesh, was condemned, beaten, and nailed to the cross. Now I am physically here with you, raised from the dead. In its original context, right, when I referenced Exodus, I am reassured the Israelites of his imminent, that's God's real presence with them to protect and redeem them through the Exodus. And Jesus, in this moment, it's as if he is saying, look, what I promised to your ancestors thousands of years ago, I am with you. I am your God. I am in your midst. Jesus is now, once again, in the midst of his people. The God of the universe. Centering this scene in this first gathering of the New Testament church. I am with you. I have redeemed you and called you by name. I have, through my own exodus, through death into life, bring you to safety. I have come to save, deliver, and to empower you. And so Jesus physically is God in the flesh Come back to life in their midst, reminding them that he will never leave them or forsake them, that he is the one who is with them always. And in verse 41, even as Jesus reveals himself to them in, in flesh and bone, the text says they disbelieved for joy. Right, this transformation is taking place within the 11 and the other disciples. They're journeying from this place of incomprehension and unbelief to a place of joyful worship of the risen Christ. And this certainty of faith, which is the goal of all those who would follow Christ, is announced, right, from the beginning of Luke, right? Luke writes to Theophilus that you may know these things. You may have certainty in Christ. 
And that certainty is attained in the physical reality of Jesus appearing to his disciples. Physically present with them. That they are becoming to understand that things are no longer the way they were and they never will be again. Their eyes and their minds are opened and faith created by God is given to them in order to understand the mysteries the mysteries of the faith, the mysteries of the gospel, the mysteries of the crucified and risen son. And so both salvation and its apprehension or comprehension through faith are God's work in the lives of his disciples. That as they come into contact with the risen Christ, as they, their minds are transformed by understanding that he says, he says in the text, these are my words that I spoke to you in verse 44 while, you were, while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. These things that Jesus has just reminded them of, have just opened their minds to, to understand all that they had witnessed, all that they had heard, all that they had seen. And this progression of the reality of the resurrection in their minds and their understanding. They marveled that the tomb was empty and that Jesus is alive. And we marvel at that reality as well. We marvel at this at this comprehend of this beginning thing that begins to come into our understanding, into our hearts and our minds, we begin to comprehend that if death, our worst enemy is defeated, then maybe, just maybe, all the bad things are coming untrue. Right? As the disciples in, in this first encounter with the risen Christ, as they are beginning to understand, as they, this comprehension is coming to them, as they're beginning to understand, it's the same as you and me today, as we encounter the resurrection and begin to understand the ramifications of that in our lives and for the world, if death, our worst enemy, has been defeated, then maybe, just maybe, all the bad things are coming untrue. And as we marvel at the reality of the resurrection, it leads to our hearts burning within us. But as marvelous and amazing and mind-blowing as the empty tomb is, it's not until the word of God. We see this in both places last week and this week in our text. It is not until the word of God is opened up to show how the very word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
and has fulfilled all the promises of God. How the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all pointed to Jesus. And that Jesus is the one true God who had to die for the sin of the world and on the third day rise from the grave. And that word is sealed. And we see Jesus in the physical reality of the breaking of bread in the Lord's Supper. And as we marvel and our hearts burn because we see the empty tomb and the word is applied, so with awe and wonder, the word is illuminated by the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises in verse 49. And Jesus declares his disciples then and his disciples now as witnesses to these things. What things? Well, you do remember back in Luke chapter 9 when, that was a long time ago, I get it, I, I, But remember back in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus sends out the 12, and then the 72 later in chapter 9, Jesus tells them to proclaim the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And do you remember how we realized that the gospel that they were proclaiming couldn't have included the death and resurrection of Jesus yet? And yet it was still good news that they were to proclaim. And so the gospel that they were preaching they were preaching that they were to, that, and Luke, remember, was trying to show us up until that point that, that God has come down. That Yahweh, the, the personal God of Israel, the king of the universe, the I am, has come in the man, Jesus Christ. And so the gospel that those disciples were preaching when Jesus first sent them out They were preaching more than just your sins are forgiven because Jesus died for you. Though as we come to find out, that is the centrality of Jesus that it points out in our text. But the God of the universe, the King of heaven, has come, has lived, has died, rose again, and sits on the throne of heaven, and that changes everything. And that, brothers and sisters, is the good news that we are witnesses to. That Jesus changes everything. He not only changes our relationship with God from enemy to child, from lost to found, from dead to life, he also changes our relationship with our enemies, makes them members of our family, the family of God. He changes our relationships with our neighbors that we love and serve them as we love ourselves. He changes our relationship with creation, that we are faithful stewards. He changes our relationship with society and culture, that we are to be salt and light, helping to shine the light on what is broken and to bring restoration to what is in need of repair. We are witnesses of these things, all of it, the whole story. We are witnesses to the whole story that it matters and makes sense because what Jesus says here that the Christ should suffer and on the third day die for the repentance and forgiveness of sins and to be raised on the third day. Right, All of that, the, the kingdom of God, the reality of the kingdom, the renewal of all things, the creation, that all is what we are witnesses to that we are to proclaim, but none of that can happen without Jesus 
fulfilling what the Old Testament pointed to. That God, the I am, would come, be among us. That he would live, die, and rise again. It is this, this proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Right, as I mentioned before, the, the purpose of this gospel, the gospel of Luke, was stated back in Luke chapter 1, verse 4, was to give the certainty of faith that Theophilus had been taught. To give certainty to the faith concerning the words which you were taught, O Theophilus. And those words were no doubt centered on the words of Jesus himself. The words that the angels reminded the women of, as when he was with you, he told you these things. The words that the women reported to the 11 and the rest of the disciples. The words that Jesus himself explained to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the words that those to relate back to the 11 and the rest. The pattern is the words of Jesus. The pattern that is to be continued by us, his church. And those words will focus on the identity of Jesus, the I am who became the one Messiah who was crucified, raised from the dead. And the moment of recognition brings the one who hears to the goal and as Jesus recognized, the certainty of faith is given. This is our call to witness to these things. to let the world know, to point to Jesus. He's the one. He's the one who has come, who gives repentance and forgiveness of sins, and who is the king of the kingdom that transforms all things in his name. We are witnesses to these things. Because the witness of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, we point to Jesus as his witnesses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Savior Jesus. And Lord, that as the Old Testament pointed as a witness to him, to the work that he would do, to his life, death, and resurrection, Lord, we too are witnesses. Witnesses to what your son has done. Witnesses to what he has 
done in our own lives, in the lives of our churches, in the lives of our communities. Lord, I pray that you would help us to faithfully witness to these things. Faithfully be the ones who point to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.